Okay, so we're gonna have a time of questions, but I'm changing up the order a little bit because um, my kids wanted to see pictures. Drew, are you here? Drew, I wanna show you pictures. All right, so um, for the past few days, I've been in Arizona. Uh, you know, as uh, someone who's trying to start this new church, it's a very, um, it can be very lonely because I'm the only pastor, but uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of different cohorts for the past couple of years. And this past year in 2021, I was a part of a cohort that was uh, hosted by Luther Seminary in Minneapolis, but it was all online. And uh, uh, we had our only in-person gathering um, in Arizona these past uh, Thursday through Saturday, this past Thursday through Saturday. And it was, for most of these people, it was my first time meeting them in person. Um, we, we've been interacting a lot online over Zoom because they come from all over America. Some are actually like out of the country who weren't able to join us for the retreat. We have one guy down in Australia, and then there's another guy over in Hong Kong, which has been really interesting. But um, yeah, this is uh, most of them. This is most of us. And it's been, I've never used this before. Does this work? The computer? Oh, it doesn't work there either. The pointer. How come it doesn't? How come it? It's, oh, there it is. Oh, it's barely there. It's hard to see when it's, uh, there's an image. Yeah, you can only see it if it's black. Anyways, so yeah, this is our group. Um, it's been wonderful. Can, excuse me. <laughs> um, so, but uh, the thing I wanted to actually point out was uh, like Arizona. It's my first, have, has anyone been to Arizona? Show of hands, yeah? Okay, uh, what are some things that stand out to you about Arizona for those of you who've been there? It's hot. Actually, the weather was awesome this week, surprisingly. But yeah, hmm? gas is much cheaper. Yes. Houses are cheaper. <laughs> it's pretty. I was really surprised at the beautiful desert scenery. It's, it's, it looks different from the deserts here. Um, so uh, I just shot this while I was uh, in the car. No, I, I flew, but um, a couple people got rental cars and, you know, uh, yeah. Okay, so the thing that really stood out to me were the cacti. They're huge. They're, the cacti there are like the size of trees, right? They're huge. Um, and so I, I, I took a selfie with this one that was like really tall. Um, it just happened to be like at a parking lot. They're like all over the place, these huge cacti. And um, so uh, here's another one, the same, pic, uh, the same cactus um, with a lamppost, just to show you the scale of it, right? Isn't that kind of, that's really ridiculous, right? And there's like, yeah, and it's taller than that tree. And, and this lamppost was really tall, okay? I think this lamppost, wait, is that 24, is that 24 feet? No. No, right? That's probably way too. So yeah, I mean, just to give you a scale of how big that cactus is, okay? And there's cac cac cacti like this. It's bigger than that one, like hiding more Huh? It's bigger than that one, hiding more Yeah, yeah, it's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger. But there's cacti like this all over the place. And so, 
uh, it made me really curious about cactus. Um, and so I did a little bit of research on cacti. And so this, pic this cactus right here is maybe like 15 to 20 feet tall, something like that, okay? And uh, when I, the, the retreat center we were at, when I would look out at the horizon, I would look up and there's like these random cactus that were like sticking up, like that were taller than like a couple, like two story buildings. Like that, that and they would really just like stick out like out of the horizon. And so I did some research and I discovered that uh, some of them can be between like uh, 30 and like 70 feet tall. Some could get up to like 70 feet tall. And cacti can actually live a really, really long time in the desert. They can live up to uh, 200 years, which is ridiculous, right? And that made me realize like um, these seasons of uh, like this past two years, I don't know about you all, but these past two years for me, uh, in many ways, it kind of felt like a season of drought, a season, like a barren season, um, a season of dryness, like a season of uh, just feeling like I'm wandering around <laughs> in the desert. And uh, I was kind of really bummed out about that. But I was thinking, I was looking at this cactus and I was like amazed by it, right? And I was thinking like, actually, like, there's a lot of plants and animals that can not only live in the desert, but they can actually thrive in the desert, right? In seasons of dryness and drought um, and in deserts, like there are actually plants and animals that can thrive in these kinds of seasons, right? And I was thinking about all the things that uh, we try to, all the ways we try to like rush past these seasons of difficulty and these seasons of dryness in our lives um, but it's also important to remember the things that were lost in the past year or two. So um, I wanted to start us off by uh, having a discussion with each other. What has been lost this past year in 2021? Okay. What has been lost this past year in 2021? So turn to someone next to you, someone you didn't come here with, and just share this with each other. Um, and for those of us watching online, if you can put in your chat box, in the chat box, what has been lost in 2021? And I'll give us like maybe three or four minutes to talk about this question. So, uh, yeah, please turn to someone that you didn't come here with. All right. Um, did everyone get a chance to share? Riley, did people online share at all? No. <laughs> come on, man. I know there's people watching online, but feeling shy today, I guess. Or maybe they're watching on their phone, which is hard to chat on the phone. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, would anyone like to share what they shared? I, I don't want you to volunteer someone else's information, but if you're um, uh, open, if you're comfortable, uh, would you like to share what was lost in 2021? Peace of mind. Oh, wow, that's deep. You want to unpack that a little? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that for you too? Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Definitely. What else? Uh, I'll, I'll share one of the things that was lost, um, this past year for me was, um, um, my mother-in-law's dog died. Uh, and even though it was my mother-in-law's dog, like we, when we lived with her for a couple years, um, it, she felt like our dog. And I also dog sat for her and, um, she almost died on my watch and like <laughs> nursed her back to health and uh, she lived like like three more years after that so that was a good bonding experience that I had with her <laughs> um so yeah when she died it was uh it was really sad um but yeah she was 17 though she was like which is really old for a dog so she lived a full life yeah anyone else want to share what has been lost in yeah Maria Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So two really big things, which is like literal loss of lives, uh, a lot of deaths. Um, and even like uh, uh, the effects of COVID, not like direct deaths of COVID, like definitely a lot of deaths from COVID, but also like there's a lot of depression and substance abuse that came out of this lockdown and the pandemic. And um, the other thing you mentioned is like a lot of people walking away from faith or uh, not being plugged into a spiritual community anymore, to churches anymore. Yeah. Um, your pastor called it like deconstruction. Yeah. I've also heard it like, uh, an exodus, like, a yeah, the great exodus of faith. Um, I don't really like that title either because the exodus is, uh, the Israelites were escaping slavery. So, <laughs> um, I don't know what to call it, but yeah, that's definitely a loss. Yeah, for sure. Anyone else? Maybe, maybe one one more person. What has been lost in 2021? Either you personally or as a community, as a society. Well, um, I'm grateful that you all were able to share with each other or in um, groups some of the things that were lost to you. Um, because there is this temptation, especially in Western Christianity, I think, to jump ahead to joy, okay, to uh, jump ahead to joy. And what I mean by that, uh, generally speaking, is like, we oftentimes, we want to kind of skip over or gloss over uh, the difficult parts of our lives, or maybe certain stories, or uh, even like faith, 
we want to either ignore or gloss over those difficult parts. And we want to jump ahead to the good parts, right? To joy. Sometimes I do this when I'm watching certain movies, especially uh, movies I've seen before. Okay. I, I, I usually don't do this when I, if it's my first time watching a movie, especially since like, I don't know when the bad parts are happening. But if I'm rewatching a movie, I want to skip ahead to the good parts, right? Like if it's an action movie, uh, I want to skip ahead to the action scenes. <laughs> or if it's like a drama, I want to skip ahead to the feel good parts. I don't want to watch the parts where uh, uh, a loved one dies again, <laughs> you know, or I don't want to watch the parts where like a couple is fighting, you know, I want to skip ahead to the good parts. But what happens when I skip ahead to the good parts in a movie is that I don't get the full experience, right? And the good parts that I'm watching aren't as good because I haven't uh, experienced the bad parts again, right? And there's so much that I miss out on when I skip ahead to the good parts. And there's this temptation, I think, in especially in Western American Christianity uh, to gloss over the parts of our faiths uh, that are ugly, that are difficult, or that are a struggle to accept. When I, uh, you know, I, I try to learn as much as I can from other pastors and other churches, but when I look at the mega churches in America, it seems like every single sermon that the preacher gives is like a sermon about victory. <laughs> about winning, about overcoming obstacles, about being the best version of yourself. And they rarely linger in the areas that talk about lament, that, talk, that really, really wrestle with doubt, right? That really, really like lingers in these areas of, of struggle and pain. It's not that they're... Um, ignoring them, but oftentimes they just gloss over it, right? And they want to spend the bulk of their time on the good parts of the story of faith. And even when I'm you know, scrolling through Instagram, when I'm like scrolling through my social media, and I'm following these like pastors and leaders in the church that are uh, that have a strong following, they're always about something positive and uplifting and feel good, right? They're rarely about the areas that are hard and ugly. And what we are missing a critical element of our faith when we jump ahead to joy, when we jump ahead to the good parts, when we gloss over the parts that are difficult, that are ugly, that are a struggle, we are really shortchanging ourselves more than anything. Um, so today we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk. Okay, this is a book that I've never really preached on before um, because it's uh, a very small book in the Old Testament. But part of the reason why I've never preached on it is because it's a difficult book to read, okay? Because a lot of it is like very negative and it's about this prophet that talks about his struggles and certain uh, issues that he has with God himself, okay? So uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Habakkuk or your Bible apps. If you don't have your Bibles, I think I put it up here. Yes, I did. All right. So we're going to look at uh, Habakkuk chapters one and two. Um, 
We're not going to read all of it, okay? But uh, we're going to read a few passages in chapters 1 and 2, um, starting with this, okay? How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this uh, difficult book in the Old Testament, a book that is often neglected, a book that is rarely mentioned in churches, especially during this Advent season, would you reveal to us the importance of not glossing over the difficult parts of our faiths, not ignoring the pain and ugliness that we need to confront sometimes, and to be comfortable with lingering in these spaces because you are still doing a good work in us, even in these uncomfortable spaces. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. All right. So we are currently in the season of Advent, okay? And the word Advent means coming or arrival, okay? And it's the period where the people of God are waiting for the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we tend to focus on, on uh, Joseph and Mary, the mother and father of Jesus, as they are uh, fleeing uh, Nazareth and going into the town of Bethlehem to find a place where they can rest so that Mary can give birth. Uh, but even centuries before, Joseph and Mary were even born, the people of God were waiting for the birth of the Messiah. There was this period of time between the Old Testament and New Testament where it was 400 years of silence, okay? And that was very deliberate on God's part, okay? The primary way that God used to communicate with his people were through prophets, okay, in the Old Testament, especially in the end of the Old Testament, God would often select uh, certain righteous people, okay? And I, I used to think it was only men, but it was actually men and women, okay? Deborah is a really prominent prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, and God would speak to these prophets and uh, they would communicate this word from God to the people of God. And whether they keep these commandments or not is up to the people, but God would use these prophets to communicate what he wants to communicate to his people. Now, after centuries and generations of God's people not keeping God's commands, God finally was frustrated with them. And he said he vowed not to speak to them for 400 years, for 400 years. And this might seem kind of cruel or insignificant or, or, or uh, insensitive, but even when God was speaking to his people, they ignored his commands. So uh, in frustration, in um, anger, 
God vowed not to speak to them for 400 years. And two things came out of this, okay? Two uh, things came out of this. Those who had religious power kind of used this to their advantage, and they corrupted the systems that were designed to bring the people of God to his presence uh, away from him. And these systems, these uh, religious systems were then... Uh, honoring or like leaning towards or favoring those who were privileged who were wealthy and who were educated and those who were uh, less educated who had less money and who were underprivileged were kind of uh, left on the outside and the other effect that this had on the people of God is that it left them longing and hungering for more to actually they were desperate to hear the voice of God and so they were so desperate for the arrival of the Messiah. And Habakkuk was one of the last prophets that God used to communicate with his people. Now, the thing about the prophets is that uh, they had a really, really difficult job. Okay, uh, God would often communicate through the prophets and the things that God wanted to say to the people of God were not things that the people of God wanted to hear. Okay, God was telling them that they were ignoring those who were in need. God was telling them that they were oppressing those like who needed actually to be helped. God was telling them that they needed to change their ways, that they needed to like uh, love each other and respect each other. And so oftentimes uh, a prophet's job was difficult. Okay. And this communication that God would have with the prophets was not just one way. The prophets would actually express a lot of their frustrations to God as well. So here, that's what happened in today's passage, okay? Habakkuk is expressing some of his frustrations to God, okay? Now, um, for anyone who uh, has a Bible or Bible app, it's okay. Actually, you're probably all just looking at the screen which is totally fine. Um, the verse that we looked at today, okay, this passage, all right. Now, in my Bible, okay, there's like different uh, titles, okay? Oftentimes, there's titles, okay? Um, Jake, are you pulling it up right now? Are you pulling it up right now? Yeah? So, what, does the, what is the title of this section? Habakkuk's complaint, okay? Now, I have an issue with this title because, um, so this title is not actually uh, original, like, manuscript, okay? This, these titles were added on about 400 years ago when it was translated into English. Um, and the translators, uh, they sectioned parts of the Bible uh, into, like, kind of bite-sized pieces, <laughs> pieces. And they gave these bite-sized pieces titles, all right? And I, I personally, I don't like this title for these three verses, okay? Um, because what do you think of when you think of the word complaint? Negative. Negative, okay. What else? Whining. Whining, okay. I think of like when my kids <laughs> complain to me, okay? But the stuff that Habakkuk is saying is, is legit, okay? There's nothing wrong with some of these things that uh, Habakkuk is saying to God, okay? And this is um, the first lesson that we can learn about 
jumping ahead to joy, okay? The kind of a danger of jumping ahead to joy, okay? Is that jumping to joy minimizes your pain. Jumping to joy minimizes your pain. Just because you ignore your pain doesn't mean it's not there, right? Just because you ignore your pain doesn't mean it's not there. And so what I love about what Habakkuk is saying in this prayer, okay, and this is a prayer that he's expressing to God, all right? It might not be polished and like respectable and like, um, I don't know, holy, whatever you think that looks like, okay? But it is a genuine prayer, right? He's crying out to God, violence, violence. And yet, yet you do not save. He's just being honest with God and he's just expressing this to him. Now, despite what you may think or what you may believe, God actually wants to hear your complaints. All right? God wants to hear your uh, frustrations. God wants to hear your quote unquote like negative prayers. God desires to hear all of your prayers. Okay, whether it's like um, uh, prim and proper or if it's messy and just blunt. As I'm getting older, um, I'm realizing more and more that there is no such thing as good and bad prayers. You either pray or you don't. If you're praying, God hears it. It doesn't matter if it's like, uh, well articulated it doesn't even if god forbid even if you cuss in your prayer oh my goodness does god does that not count anymore does god stop hearing your prayers if it's like if you say some profanity in it i don't think so god hears and receives all your prayers and god can handle your complaints he is big enough to receive whatever negative criticism that you may have of his ways. Habakkuk cried out violence in anguish as he expressed his pain. Okay, he saw his own people like uh, being taken over by larger governments. Okay, he saw his own people neglecting the widow and the orphan and the poor. Okay, he's, he's, he's expressing all of these frustration that he has in his heart. And many times, I, I think these kinds of prayers are the holiest kinds of prayers that we can pray. How many of us cried out violence within our own hearts when we saw that video of George Floyd being suffocated to death? How many of us have cried out violence in our own hearts when we watched that cell phone footage of Ahmaud Arbery being chased down and shot. I know I cried violence when I read this old news article of a man named Vincent Chen being brutalized simply because he was Chinese American in Detroit. Not only is it acceptable for us to pray prayers like this, I would dare say it's even holy to pray prayers like this. The other thing that this passage teaches us about jumping ahead to joy is that jumping to joy ignores the work of God, okay? 
Jumping to joy ignores the work of God. Uh, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, this is God's response to the prophet. Okay? God says to Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. So when God is saying, look at the nations to the prophet Habakkuk, he's saying, just look beyond Israel. Okay. Cause Habakkuk is an uh, Israelite. All right. And he was only looking at his own people. Okay. And God is saying like, take your head out of the ground and look around you. Okay. Yes. Your life sucks right now. <laughs> yes. Your nation is in shambles, but I am doing a good work with other nations as well. And what he might say to Christians in America is like, don't just look at your own country. Look at what I'm doing in parts of Asia. Look at what I'm doing in Africa. I'm bringing revival to other places. It's not just about America. All right. It's not just about America. He's saying, look at the other nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And later on in this passage, you should really read through Habakkuk if you, if you have the chance. Um, it's only three chapters, but it's uh, very different, okay? Just the feeling of it is very different. And uh, right after chap uh, verse 5, he talks about the empire of Babylon, okay? And then when we talk about Babylon, um, especially like in church when I was growing up, we talked about Babylon as if it's this like evil empire. But God actually used the nation of Babylon to bring about his will, to bring about justice. And even though Babylon was not perfect by any means, uh, it, it, he was able to use Babylon in a way to kind of carry out his will because he wasn't getting it done through the Israelites. And so he even used this pagan nation to help accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Now, um, the last point that I wanted uh, that uh, this passage teaches us about jumping to joy is related. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go to that. Uh, jumping to joy misses critical moments. Jumping to joy misses critical moments. After the prophet Habakkuk uh, receives this word from God, okay, um, uh, for the rest of chapter one, he says in chapter two, verse one, this is his response to God after God says to him, okay, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Okay. He is saying like, I'm going to watch and see what God is doing. I'm going to watch and see what God is doing. And the, the thing we can miss about um, these critical moments, if we just kind of jump ahead to the good parts, if we jump ahead to joy, if we just only think about the birth of Jesus, which is definitely something that we need to do when the time comes, okay? But we cannot ignore all of the pain, all of the struggle, all of the ugliness that came prior to Jesus, because that will make Jesus's birth that much richer and that much more meaningful. But when we gloss over all of that, 
we miss critical moments in our faith. Part of the work that I do as a hospital chaplain is to encourage patients to pay attention to their emotions because in the hospital, that is a great temptation is to like just jump ahead to the healing, but it doesn't happen right away. And when they are feeling pain, when they are feeling anger, when they are feeling loneliness, okay, when they are feeling uh, desperate, it's important to see that, acknowledge it, and to name it. Then it loses its power over you. If we ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist, it continues to have more power over you subconsciously. And one thing that uh, we tend to do in Western Christianity is uh, when we only focus on the joy, when we only focus on the good parts, and we ignore um, the difficult parts, we tend to be conflict avoidant. And when we do that, we have a very uh, thin faith. We have a thin faith. There's this um, musician that I love. His name is uh, Bon Iver. And his most famous song is called uh, Skinny. Does anyone like Bon Iver? <laughs> sort of. Okay. Uh, so his most famous song is called Skinny Love. All right. And um, I didn't really know what the song was about at first. And it's really hard to uh, understand um, what he's saying because the way he sings is so different. I feel like um, he always sings in falsetto. So it's kind of hard to understand some of the words. Um, but I was looking up the words to the, the lyrics to the song Skinny Love. Okay. And the first verse says this. Come on, skinny love, just last the year. Pour a little salt. We were never here. Staring at the sink of blood and crushed veneer. What he's saying in the song is that like, uh, he wants a love that's thick. He wants a love that has some meat on its bones. He doesn't want skinny love, okay? The problem with skinny love is that it doesn't last a year. Uh, and, then, and then when he's saying, it looked, staring at the sink of blood and crushed veneer, okay, he's saying there's a lot of, um, there's, some, there's some pain there, but it's very shallow, like veneer, okay? It's very superficial. The problem with skipping ahead, okay, and like uh, glossing over the ugly parts, the difficult parts, the painful parts, when we jump ahead to joy is we have a thin faith. We end up with a very thin faith a faith that doesn't have a lot of substance. And I've kind of started noticing this too with um, some, not all, but some uh, young adult Christians is that when they're in a community or when they're in a relationship, the first sign of conflict, they split, they leave. And when you do that, like jumping from relationship to relationship or community to community, and you leave as soon as you run into conflict, you're always going to have like a shallow, thin, um, superficial relationships or superficial faith. It's when you can sit through the conflict is when you can be in that space of discomfort and pain together. That's when the real meat of your relationship or the real meat of your faith 
comes to life. Tension, if you are experiencing tension in your life, it's a good thing, okay? Because you are aware probably of certain difficulties that you have and maybe where you wanna be. And there is always going to be tension there, okay? Uh, when you're trying to move past that, okay? And when you're experiencing these uh, experiences of tension, it's good, okay? Uh, I'm experiencing it all the time, okay? Especially with regards to this church. There is a part of me that wants our church to just like blow up and like get big, but I know if it grows too fast, then it's not gonna be substantive. It's not gonna be real. It's not gonna be uh, meaningful. And it'll, it's probably a result of a church that's um, a, attraction based rather than like value-based. It's probably a result of uh, a guest speaker that's like, or a, or a pastor or a preacher that's very charismatic and showy <laughs> rather than like trying to build relationships, which actually takes a lot longer. And so uh, I'm, I'm experiencing this tension all the time and I used to hate it, but now I'm realizing more and more like experiencing tension in your life is a good thing. During this Advent and Christmas season, I encourage you not to skip over the bad parts <laughs> and to linger in those areas and really pay attention to what God is doing in your life, in your spirit, in your heart during this seasons of dryness, of drought, of wandering. Um, I think in your bulletins, there is a reflection question, right? Yes. What needs more reflection or attention from you regarding 2021? What are the parts in 2021 that you might've glossed over, okay? Uh, that you actually need to do some more, more reflection on or give more attention to. Let's pray. Lord, as this year is winding down and as we look forward to 2022, we look forward with hope but maybe some of us, we look forward with uh, some fear and trepidation and anxiety uh, because we know that these past two years have been very, very hard. I know that you are doing something within me and causing me to stop and pause and reflect on these difficult areas of my life that you have that you have done some amazing growth and some amazing good work there. So for all of us, help us not to just skip over the bad parts and jump ahead to joy. Help us to pay attention, to keep watch, to see and look around us, look outside even our own lives and see what good work you are doing in other places and how these seasons of difficulty, these seasons of struggle are actually causing us to mature in ways that we would have uh, never been able to before. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Amen. All right. Have a blessed week, everyone.